Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, DJ here. I just want to take some time to talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliations by Flyles Games. This soon-to-launch game is brought to you by the same team that's bringing you Vampire the Masquerade chapters, and they just released a trailer to go along with it. We at 25 invite you to check it out at Werewolf the Apocalypse dash retaliation.com to catch a peek at the trailer and be updated of when it'll appear on Kickstarter, which seems to be early 2022. The game promises to have everything that made chapters endearing to us, the fans, including scenarios, investigations, beautiful miniatures, and more. With that, thanks for your time. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of 25 Years of Masquerade Presents. Uh, well, V5 Sabat. It dropped. It's it's out. Some of you have already read it. It's been been around for a bit. Uh, at least in PDF form from uh, Renegade, if I'm right. And, um, that's right. That's the deal. And, and tackling this with me today uh, is DJ. How you doing, DJ? I'm doing good. Hey, everyone. Very excited to go over this book with you. Very, very excited, in fact. And uh, so much so that we're going to give a warning here. Um, what's going on here is that this book is going to be in two parts in terms of a release. Uh, we're going to give it the due diligence it deserves because it's uh, so important to fans. It's so important to us. It is a is a easily a staple as to what kept me alive in Vampire, enjoying stories and being a storyteller. It is also one of the reasons that uh, that the word vampire should instill fear into a lot of people. And they they always were that way, but I feel at times that gets money the waters, and we'll get to that a little bit. So there's some feels attached here, right? Some fundamentals. The other half, did they live up to the hype? Did they deliver? what they said they were going to do. And I know that's in the heart and souls of a lot of people. And some people have already read it and, and had an indifference. Some had said, I got tired of waiting. Others had said, well, they already announced it's antagonist only, so we're not interested. Hmm. To me, I would ask you guys to keep an open mind. Why we're doing this in two parts is because we're attempting to attack those little incidents that you may have questions that you didn't ask that we can hopefully hit, that we see and we hit that are common enough to let people know to kind of shed some light on decisions they made. Uh, that they, they don't have to, uh, I, I would like to state this officially, that when an author makes a book, they're not beholden to defend themselves to what the fans are demanding. That's not that's not how entertainment works. They have a, a thing in mind, a story they're telling, and start to finish, they're going to tell that story to follow the theme. And if the fans enjoyed that theme, that, that's why they're fans. They stick with it to see and hope and that, that energy where you hope what you think would happen as a fan is what you see. And, and their job is to keep you surprised, engaged, and entertained. And that's the goal here. I want you to have that vision. Just squeegee your third eye here. Remove your every, every bigotry or, or opinionated thought that you have for the moment. You're entitled to it 100%. But put it on hold. Because what we're going to attempt to do is go through and kind of Shed some light on why they might have made some stuff and some stuff that maybe doesn't work. Or maybe we have a different mindset as well. Um, I want to state that off the bat, I am a card-carrying hardcore member of uh, the original form of the Sabbat. Um, that is a thousand percent where I come from. Those are my roots. Uh, that's what I'm all about. And done enough podcasting on it. Um, there are some friends who have uh, been vocal with me and, and uh, spawned and did their own thing talking about uh, the Sabbat one way or another and their expectations and almost demands of what they expected. I didn't have a demand. I'm going to state that. I think I stated it multiple times that I was in the world of neutrality. And then coming to it, it's like, hmm, let's see what this is. 
Then they did that release that we reviewed immediately, which was like a little taste of what was going to be this book. And, oh, man, that was like some some chills right down the spine. You weren't certain what it was going to be and what it was about. Then we all saw the Zemis release that came for V5, and we talked about that. And now we got to see what this is. But I'm going to give you a trick question here. We're going to make this real easy. Uh, DJ, I'm going to have you uh, open up a bit as we go to, uh, you know, their thoughts on this book itself and how to use it. But before we get there, tell me one thing. What was your biggest prejudice about this book being made? Because everybody had them. I know you did too. What was your biggest issue? And did they conquer that after reading it? I think the biggest issue I had, if I remember correctly, when we originally looked at the preview was it felt vague uh, to the point where I didn't know whether or not it was going to hit the topics I wanted it to cover. Um, I could give you my answer right now in terms of how I felt about it now. Uh, I think reading the book, it covered everything I needed it to cover. It doesn't mean I have to agree with it, but it definitely hit the marker in terms of what it was that I was looking for and they answered the questions that I needed to. Or at least it was presented in a fashion where I felt content with it. Now, one of the reasons I chose to have you with this book is because we did had such a fun time going over the, uh, <clears throat> into the East in a deep dive. And right, we, right. Didn't, we didn't miss a... Well, we were stabbing left and right, hitting all the detail we could. We're going to take that approach to this book. We're going to give people what they want. I want people to buy this because they know it's good, not because we gave a nice fluffy preview of it. Maybe they like the what we said, but they didn't find it in the book. We're going to tell you if it's great or if it's not. And you're going to hear it here. And uh, we're going to do it in two parts. Now, the focus is this part's going to take through a lot of the uh, minutiae on what they are and what the changes. Some of them, big ones are here that we got to talk about. And we're going to pause at chapter four, which is the Gehenna War. Reason being is because once we get to Gehenna War, we want to hit all the nuggets, all the juicy details that's going to go into it that we feel are going to be relevant that won't wreck getting this book yourself. I want to add this. In terms of it being a deep dive, but a review, we're attempting to handle the pain points that still make this book as entertaining is one thing we want to hit. Does it do uh, respect and justice to the, to the genre itself? And even going into V5 especially, is this about something that is, you know, valid in the direction they said they're going to take it? To you, definitely to us, and we're going to give that opinion. And uh, to that agenda, let's get started. Uh, DJ, they give a great instruction about what this book is to be used for and what the direction was, and what they say about that. They pretty much tell you that as a V5, the Sabbat is to be looked at as an antagonist. They tell you that as a storyteller, you want to go ahead and bring them in. And the reason why, particularly, is because... It's one of the things that we have spoken about before, and it's understanding what V5 was to be presented as, right? There's a lot of things in there that already got spoken about before regarding Camarilla and Anarchs. And even in terms of how the Camarilla and Anarchs were originally written, you could see where there are parallels, at least to the Anarchs, in terms of how they could have also been Sabat. Why there's muddy waters to begin with and why there had to be three separate books, a guide to the Camarilla, Sabat, and the Anarchs in the V20 edition uh, before getting to where we are now. Here, they're specifically telling you this is an alien thought. And this is something that I know that you and I have shared, and especially some of our players as well, in terms of how we viewed the Sabbat. So it was very interesting to see that they also agreed with how we thought. Now, why I think they went the route of antagonists in terms of how they're also bringing it up and how I'm interpreting this information is because it is so alien, it may derail your game if your players aren't prepared for it. Once again, this this product is completely for, you know, this one of the things is to introduce newer players to our, our storyline, to our game. 
And to dump them directly into the Sabata at onset might have been something that wouldn't have gotten the core, which is personal horror. This is a different type of horror altogether. This is a different mindset. And perhaps for all you old school players, we knew the transition of when we decided, okay, we can move away from the cam into the Sabat because this is what we want to explore. This is telling you now that enough time has passed. If your players aren't ready for it, here's how you use them as, as antagonists. Almost in the same way first edition did, right? But that's why I want to bring that out as a, as a preface. What, what I'm going to say is that they have a quote in here that I made sure to take a note of that told me my love of this book and where it was coming from. The quote says, Men will never be free until the last king is strangled with the entrails of the last priest. Mm-hmm. This should tell you what this book is. I mean, it told me, it sung to me what this book is. This is an advancement of the Sabbat. This is not to placate you in a forever frozen chronicle of wherever your Sabbat game is. They've stated it again and again, and I stated it again and again, and I'm telling you again here, that stories end. They have a cool beginning, a climax to the end, and that's that. And you can do different, you know, more books, you know, part twos and threes and fours and everything else you want to with that. But your initial story should have a conclusion wrapped up however long it is. I know people have epic chronicles that go years and people start as base characters and end up being these Methuselahs. And that's great if that's what you're doing. But if you're in a Sabbat game and that's going on, where, where's, where's the sense in that is what I'm going to put out there. And it's not that where's the sense in that you shouldn't do it and people shouldn't get together to have fun. But at some point, you got to live up to the bullshit you said you were about. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. This book is an update to what the Sabbat said it is. They're the Sword of Cain. What sense does that make? And where does that fall in? And you have divorced yourself from humanity to a path of enlightenment? Well, is the path of enlightenment a club? What does it mean to follow a path of enlightenment? How is that different than humanity? Because can't Sabbat be in humanity or just a low version? You know, um, I've seen games where people have treated it to where, you know, you could be Sabbat and still in humanity. And I sat there and said to myself, I, wow, what a, what an interesting game to be in. Because isn't that just an anarch? And then don't they not have, you know, they don't get along there so well. So how's that work out? Well, this book pretty much gets rid of all that fog, all that uncertainty, because they highlight here. They tell you off the bat. That this book is not to be used as a uh, a player guide. That's not what this is about, you know. The function of the Sabbat and Vampire the Masquerade stories is to threaten the status quo. Their job is to be the antagonist. They don't care about the about those who serve the antediluvians, which is the Camarilla, right? We run over them. We destroy what they're about. We rip their leadership off with, uh, up off from the roots, and we devour them, right? If the Anarchs can either get with the program or die is how that works. You know, they'll figure it out or they'll be dead. Because we don't want to leave pawns on the floor for the antediluvians to manipulate or the Camarilla to manipulate. That's the way it goes, right? Masquerade should be shattered because the mortals are trying to kill us. So we need to make it to where the antediluvians are on the stage as well. So the mortals can go after the biggest threat of them all and we can get a little help with that. And in the age of modern warfare, we need some missiles and bombs to maybe hit them uh, an antediluvian, especially if they're rising up, you know? That's sort of that. But when you think of that, just in that little bit, that microcosm, it's to state that, wow, that's a very different Sabbat. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely no longer baby steps. It's they've committed to a war. What, no, no matter what, they're in it to win it, and they're, they're all in. They pushed in all the chips. That's what the Sabbat is. They even add on the fact, and my favorite part when I read this, and I was happy they did, is because everyone says, they, they stand on the fence, you know, it's always... 
do what you like, blah, 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 it's your choice, and blah, blah, blah. Where that may be the golden rule, they state, to be clear, there are no systems or suggestions included herein for portraying the Sabbat as a player character. It's that simple. It's rituals, information, all this other stuff is for storyteller usage to make stories around the Sabbat being the opposition to the players or stuff they might encounter and things like that to help portray them with a thorough respect that the sect deserves as the antagonist they always have been. Because remember, the V5 focus is not about your players being elders, kicking rocks, controlling a city, and not having any problems whatsoever. You know, it's about you being the movers and shakers, the people who have to get it done. To become that one day may be on the agenda, but you don't, you definitely don't start there, and it's not too much fun to do that there anyway, uh, at least in its intention, right, off the bat. So what are we saying? We're saying that the Sabbat here is about desperation. It's about fighting a war and having to realize, you've been talking a lot of shit, DJ, about how if you ever saw Mike Tyson, you were going to blacken his eye and break his nose. He's not that good at fighting. Man, if you decided to just just the right ambush at the right time, you, know, you can catch him when he's getting out of the bathroom, whatever it is, you can glaze him. Dude's old, he's outdated, he sucks. Well, what happens when someone goes, great, uh, Mike Tyson's asking to stay tonight at your place. Right? You don't know how or why, how the stars align, but he's now going to be in range of all this hate that you have for him. And now we get to see if your tactics work. Right? But that's a terrible analogy. I kind of feel the essence is there because I don't think you think for a second you were doing a damn thing to Mike Tyson on your own. And you're right. And you know, that's. I thought it was also clever for them to specifically state that there are no player guide rules for it, right? Because let's, let's also face the fact when we're taking a look at. Um, the V20 even guide to Sabat, everyone is literally standing there and just going like, this is just a nice place to stand. And what made it any different than the Camarilla outside of, and not outside of the spiritual aspect, but when you take a look at it, what was the, you know, it was a mirror. It was literally a mirror. And everyone who's a loyalist goes like, I'm free to do whatever I want, not do anything at all. And I think because of it, there were so many things that were fragmented. Can you say that again? You just put... You know those few moments in life where you've always felt something and you've extrapolated, <laughs> like spinning the wheels trying to hit one point? You just did it. Say that phrase again, just like you did. Well, which part? The part about them just standing and looking like a mirror like the Camarilla and they were just not doing anything at all up until this moment in time? Right. And it's important, especially because there are no rules there, that players don't cling onto it. I think that's also a very clever way of the authors challenging you to look at what they put down in terms of what the Sabbat is now, and there's no question about it. There is no people, there aren't any people that are standing by. There's people you're either with it or you're not, as Bob said. And I'm not going to get too much into it, because there's obviously we'll, we'll start to extrapolate on it more as we get further into the book. But I think that that was just clever. That was the first nugget that let me know that, like, there isn't any room for someone to just point to the book and go, see where it says here, I could be a loyalist or a reformist or here, you know, there, there isn't any of that. It's just like, we're taking that away. You're letting us write. We're going to go ahead and drive this vehicle. This is where we're going to go. And, you know, you'll see where it happens from here. Um, one of the things we want to answer out the bat is, you know, where did the Sabbat go? And why are they just called the Black Hand? Um, do you have any thoughts on that, DJ? I think the reason why they call it the Black Hand uh, now is because before you you had distinctions, right? Like if you have the executive branch, the judicial branch, et cetera, when there's only one branch left, right? Which is like the, the go-to-war branch. The, the We knew what the Black Hand was supposed to stand for from the get-go in terms of getting that Gehenna Crusade happening. Gehenna Crusade here now. And that's it. There, all there is is the Gehenna Crusade. And that being the case, 
it's like saying, well, I guess we're all lumped into this. It's And there is no room, as I was mentioning earlier, for any other types of variants. It either is or isn't. And that's why I feel that the Black Hand is is up front and center. I think it's awesome that the uh, the Black Hand is a moniker that hold, the sect takes for itself. And the reason being is because it's about progression, right? I think the concept of the Black Hand as a cult was great. It was there. It was the killer of killers, all that. It was dominated by the Asimites that were there, but they defected, right? Those who were the unconquered originally went back to element called home. And that's just how it went. And when that got ripped out, you were left with what a lot of folks were calling anti-tribute. And that's, and that's that. And these are people who were kind of trained and were left here. And then the Sabbat here in V5, they're still here. They're called the Path of Cain. That's where they got folded into. That mentality, that drive, that forwardness. You can see that when we get to the past section, but keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is about the Black Hand is that there's a there's a very spiritual representation <clears throat> to it as well. Um, you can look at it as the Black Hand of Cain, right? The fact that he would have to burn down or, or, or proof of ashes of what your worth is as a cult, right? It's symbolic. It's the ashes left behind, and look what they're doing. They're destroying the world so the antediluvians have nothing to feed on. In that mentality, in their war, in their mindset, they're tearing apart the mortals, their wrecked shop over their, their vampire pawns just to run right at them and get to them before they have a chance to get up and, and do something about it. And to that end, the Black Hand is fitting, right? The Sabbat makes it sound like these guys might be some sort of cult that's sitting around, they meet under a moonlight every now and then, give their praises, do a retain, and go back to their, their nightly struggles as, a, as the third vampire sect that it's always been. The Black Hand makes it feel that everybody's on board with the militant. You're in a war. And that's all there is, just like you said. And that's what I that's what I grooved to. I felt that was very much resonating in here, everything they have, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. When it talks about that, it's like, well, how'd they get there? Right? There's a phrase here. They talk about a medieval death cult. It's something you've heard, uh, I believe, Killy say in one of his World of Darkness um, news reports you had out there. Um, and he was talking about that. He said that phrase, medieval death cult, and it resonated with me. And uh, it's like, it clicked. I, I have role-played that sort of that way, but never really had a phrase to stand on. And hearing that, it was like, hmm, right? Why medieval? Well, because during that time, there wasn't really a masquerade. Nobody had the World Wide Web or a phone to call authorities and warn people about. It's these these monstrous gods of the night were running about doing some pretty unbelievable things. And there was nothing anybody can do about it. And they were pretty dark definitively, right? Think of the Zemisi lords and their hoary castles doing whatever they will, and you lived or died based on what that Zemisi chose to use you for. Well, Sombra no better in a sec to go with it. So I was like, okay, I can see that phrase. That makes a lot of sense. But this one says, well, how do you make it your own? How do you get one, right? And the Sabah here talk about is that the things to consider is that it's, it's not a monolith. It's a decentralized group. Fragmented is what they have down here, right? Um, so, to the same degree, the Anarchs are fragmented. You can't get... The Anarchs are not one group united to do anything. That is the Camarilla that exists in that format. Uh, the Anarchs are kind of a group of people that said, we're, we're not beholden to anyone, but if you mess with one of us, we'll tell others of our plight and hopefully pull them to our cause to oppose you. We'll unite to oppose. That's what the Anarchs are supposed to do. But that's not even a guarantee. That's based on philosophies and personal choice, which they're about, which means they're fractious. Hard to get them to pull together. However, the Sabbat, because of the way they are now, their death rate is off the chart in terms of how it is. And uh, they talk about that a lot in here. 
you know, that the, the sect only in that it is a common cause uh, devoted to canon, really, uh, that they have in killing off antediluvians. Like, don't ever forget that. That's all they are. It's hammered in your head. But to that effect, DJ, <laughs> enjoy that. Uh, so <laughs> to that effect, um, what is the Sabbat then as they see it? What are they saying they actually are? The Sabbat is the Sabbat is that movement. Um, they're saying that essentially at this moment in time, they're and the way that you described it and the way I'll kind of bring it to you is it's a unified terror cell where the call has been sent out. And right now it's the remnants of what's left. We we know that we we lost the Ancilla. We know that some elders had probably abandoned it. Right now it's in the purest form of the fanatics that were left behind. Not only the fanatics, but the people that are now, or I should say the Canaanites that are now strictly making the most out of the Path of Enlightenment and what they've evolved to be. Um, because we'll talk about some of the changes that also did happen to the Path of Enlightenment. But this is this is the, the flotsam. This is literally what's hanging at the bottom of the coffee can and people just don't want to give up. Uh, so that makes them that much more dangerous. And that's why the, the, the Sabbat kind of are what they are at the moment in time. They have a thing here where they talk about blood, uh, blood revolutionaries, right? They're just flying off the handle, uh, trying to get done uh, by various activities, right? Trying to get regional strength and yoking it. Uh, trying to use what they're good at uh, to destabilize the activities of their enemy that they're still opposing, right? Because they're still opposing the Camarilla and Anarchs and anyone else that wants to get in their way uh, because they view them all as part of the Antediluvians. It's very hard um, to to be anything but what they are, right? I, I say this. I said this before. I'll say it again. The way is forward for them. They don't stop at all to consider another way. They can't. And part of that is a, well... Propaganda machine, we'll just put it first and foremost, right? They have a specific way of bringing people in, which we're going to touch on. But as always, they have a consent and respectful play warning uh, when it comes to this. And this is from a storyteller perspective, and it should be for players as well. Even saying this was not meant for players to be, you're going to have players who want to be V5 Sabat vampires, as this book outlines them. And you're going to want to play in a fun medieval death cult and run about and see what that's like, and that's great. Uh, but you should understand that... Uh, People can be uncomfortable with a yes. lot of what the Sabbat does. You're going to be very uncomfortable uh, with the situations. They don't broker weakness. There's no, um, well, we'll get to what it's not. But the point is, consent and respectful play in your chronicles. Let people know that you're going to use the Sabbat, that they're a villain you might encounter or most likely you're building up for them to deal with and contend with. And that's why you've approved certain concepts, whatever. Do people have problems with that. Do the usual due diligence. Make sure you do that. Because uh, otherwise, you're going to have a very bad time when certain uh, evidence comes to light or certain opposition because people will not feel prepared for it. We don't want to. Right. I want to also extrapolate on that because this is exactly what I was talking about earlier, much, much earlier, which is in context, especially when it comes to V5. Remember, the, it, this is about that personal horror and the struggles that come from within. The camera, even as it was written, was already monstrous, and that's why they pushed a lot of the Anarch play to be like, this is what your oppressors look like offhand. We just ignored it during the original version of it, right? During the V20 version, because we were like, okay, this everything just kind of seems status quo. But to know that there's such a struggle and in-between thing, we know what that struggle looks like. And because of it, we're used to it. Like our mindset could wrap around it because there's enough things in the world that we could see where we fight, you know, the tyrant, where we're trying to stand up. And it's what makes it a romantic thing to fight against. In this, you you can't you can't downplay the fact that being a Sabat vampire completely strips you of that thought process. 
right? You're not playing anymore to fight against the man in the sense where you're doing it for humankind or you're doing it because it's a heartstring. You're doing it because you're a fanatic. I can't, and just to, to put it bluntly out there and, and to give more analogies because we feel as humans who can do it, I'm not part of a terror cell. In no way, shape, or form will I be able to understand why people do the horrible things they do in the name of God, country, or otherwise, uh, extremists to that factor. This is a sabbat. Right. And you're going to get into situations where when it comes time, it's like that scene, Call of Duty, uh, what is it, no Russian? And you have to play the American soldier that had to go deep cover and wipe out an entire airport full of civilians. That was shocking even for me as a player that, that paused me in my tracks that I had to, it, it felt very uncomfortable. I mean, it, it added gravity to the situation, but that's why, you know, this is in there. It's not that it's not in other books because it's a different version of it once again, but here, especially here, if for whatever reason you choose to introduce them either as antagonist and you face those horrors head on directly, or if you want to, for those players who choose to become players of the Sabbat, please keep that in mind because it's a different beast altogether. And to that end, uh, talking the mindset here, and um, when the story goes to portray the Sabbat or Black Hand, as well, I'll get used to saying, a little difficult for me, um, but what we're going to say here is the Black Hand is a, what it boils down to is unapologetic, unapologetically being a vampire. That's what they've always been. That's what the paths of enlightenment are for. That's what they are. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, in this, they have to make a distinguishing effort uh, between what the Sabbat is to the other sex, and that's its, that's its fundamental thing. right? They believe, they truly believe that becoming a vampire changes a person to such an extent that the notions of who they once were are long gone. It's an abandonment of humanity. It has to be that way, because otherwise you're the same. Right? I want you to imagine the Sabbat as you may have been playing them. And it was like, okay, you're on humanity. It's slow. What's Why not just be an anarch? Like, for all that you're doing, if you are clinging to your humanity and your struggles to maintain it, why would you be in a sect that turns around and treats humans as they do? Rips them apart, makes them toys. Sees them as playthings. Doesn't care. Uh, they could rip through an orphanage or rip through your favorite house or rip through your enemies. It doesn't matter to them. If they were once mortal, they're all food. They're all the same. And in that mentality, there's the humanity in you, the morality, should be railing against that. You couldn't do it. If I locked you in a room, DJ, and told you that uh, you have one gun, one bullet, and it's for you or your wife. Now, whatever choice you make, one of you is going to get paid an amazing amount of wealth. The other one's just going to be dead. And why you're doing that is because I'm actually filming this for an online uh, TV show that I'm running. It's a rally TV show, and for some reason I'm this evil bastard, but I'm going to ask you to do it. Do you have an in you to step in that room and make a choice? No. I, I could tell you right off the bat the first emotion that comes into play is too much hesitation. In fact, I wouldn't be able to harm my loved one. I'd rather take it out on myself and hope that they survive. And that's like the first instinct, right? That's my first human emotion to come into play. But if I told you now that I had this TV show I wanted you to watch, where some some reality TV show where some guy had to make that choice, would you want to watch it with me? Sadly, Sadly yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely you would. And that's anybody, right? Because I didn't tell you it wasn't real. We would watch it make the excuse that we hope it wasn't real. We want to debunk it and say it wasn't real. And everybody would want, like, millions, with billions would want to tune in to watch that. Right. Because there's a dark part there that says, well, I didn't do it. And the neutral medium of media allows me to witness it as entertainment. And so if I'm not there making a choice, now my morality can be engaged. And that's perfectly fine. 
but now I want you to be the Sabbat member, and you have a member in your pack who thinks like that, that they won't make the choice, but they're willing to sit back and let you do it for their amusement. Mm-hmm. Right? That's bullshit. And you would, hey, if they're not going to get in the dirt and get just as dirty as you, if they're not going to realize they're the same monster you are, it's just they're sitting back with the luxury they believe they have to be different somehow. What, you think being being our prey is going to help you do it? You're a freaking vampire. There's an apotheosis in your embrace. You died and were put in the ground. We buried you. Who came out is the vampire you are. That's what you are. That's what we see, brother or sister. And you need to step over where we are so we can help you put away that weird thing in the back of your head that's telling you this is wrong. Who said it was wrong? And depending on what priest you're near... When you come out, they're going to guide you and help you understand that and bring you to a level of, of, of reality for it. Because the truth is, folks, the reason why dark things exist is because then we're entertained, we're intrigued, they're fearful, whatever. But if we have the ability to explore it from a safe place and see it, we like to know what it is so it loses its power. And once it loses its power, we either find them amusing or we don't. And if it's something that really indeed is a threat and we figure it out, then we want to destroy it. And defend everyone from it. That's just how our minds work. Now, that's as a collective. Individuals will vary. But that's that, that's the point to what they're hammering home. The mindset of the Sabbat vampire. And I think that's a critical point when people go to play Sabbat. Because when you play Camarilla, you're just you. With immortality. Because you could see that, right? I, I was embraced and I wake up with this power. And oh no, my flesh is cold. And oh no, I you know, I can only like blood and... I have these weird feelings and my impulse control is off the levels and I don't, this endless thirst, oh, the drama, that's real, but that's still you. You can get behind that. All that you can still understand and relate to. But what happens when, and then by the way, someone usually is there to help you with that, right? Your sire in the Camarilla sense made you that way for a reason or anarch and they'll help you out or a coterie or what have you. But in the Sabbat, you come out and uh, it's out of the ground. You came out frenzied, and probably the first time you're able to catch your breath is realizing, one, you don't need to breathe, but you did need to finish choking down that last uh, drab of blood that to you was the best thing you ever had. And they let you ride that high. And when you're done, it's the realization, you know, that I, I do all that carnage? And they're like, yeah, man, that was you who tore through that car. Well done. We, we thought we cleared the parking lot, but who knew? I guess those guys were necking. <laughs> Wrong place. The graveyard? Who does that? Kids these days. And the callousness of that person laughing as you did something horrendous. As they could see the light dimming in your eyes of morality literally being devoured in front of them. Um, that's the sabbat. Bringing you in to realize what you're about. And welcoming you into the fold. You really don't have a chance to maintain your humanity at all. And that's the point. And in this sort of fraternal way of bringing people in, we get to the sabbat thinking. Now... What do the Sabbat think they are versus are compared to mortals? Like, what right do they have to say that they're the apex, DJ? They have the epics because they are able to hunt them down. I mean, it's knowing that God had elevated Cain, right? This is this is once again one of the things. I have so many thoughts on this, but we'll, we'll, we'll cover this portion first. Because God had so elevated Cain through his action, through his sacrifice, therefore Cain had become untouchable even god had put the mark on cain where no one was supposed to kill him are they not the same did they not elevate themselves from being human and gone through that sacrifice if not from their end then from their sires and to bring them into this lifestyle and therefore if i am unto cain 
I am also an apex predator. And what my life was before is exactly that. Everyone else are just the children of Seth and or potential Abel's in the making. I agree with that 100%, Matthew. Well said. Um, to what they had it here, and I love how they put it, it's uh, the righteous supremacy of the blood highlights this. It says that to the Sabbat way of thinking, the vampire is a creature above mere mortals and must therefore rewrite their psyche with a purpose that allows the vampire to assume their supreme place. Creature is the focus here, not a kindred, right? That's the point. And uh, that's if canine is too salient, you're used to it, but think of them as a creature and you're closer to the mark at that point. And that's what they, they, they drive home. Now, I also think it's relevant to bring up, though, that we've covered this. And, like, this isn't just in Scopus Sabbat. Like, in many people who buck up against or may want to buck up against what they're reading now versus what we're telling you, this is we've already set precedence for this. White Wolf, Paradox have already set precedence before in the Dark Ages. The road to humanity is exactly that. It's just an ethos. It doesn't mean that they're humane in any way, shape, or form. It's just a matter of getting through with their beast. Those kindred those canites that were embraced during that time did adopt roads because they needed to understand that they were no longer human right this is one of the reasons why the sabbat is the way it is in terms of looking for these paths of enlightenment and trying to move away from humanities because this is what grounds them they've already known from the get-go that they were not to be human anymore and this is the new life that they're embracing so keep that in mind because when we talk about the anarch revolt why paths are important to the sabbat they're not shedding anything they're retaining what is theirs by right is theirs to be what they are and it's more than a fair assessment especially when you consider that basically all you are as a canine is uh you're effectively the creature that makes you right you're effectively whatever your sire saw whenever that question gets asked in character creation why did your sire make you you're basically saying what is the purpose of your why were you selected why, why would a vampire choose you it's that simple and whatever your reason, they still saw you as an extension of themselves. Something spawned them or spurned them to do it. Not only that, you got to consider what the Sabbat does now. Now, tonight, the Sabbat, as they say, is a vicious echelon of remorseless vampires. And they don't see anything wrong with creating hordes of their lessers because they need people to serve as the uh, shock troops for what they need to get done. They're fighting a war. And a war requires soldiers, and soldiers are not always sergeants, right? You don't start at the sergeant level. That's earned. Not everybody could be a SEAL or special forces or whatever. You know, we got to have those grunts, and they make them, and they make them in droves, right? And that's the strategy they use and employ. And they're willing to embrace the world to see an ant one antediluvian fall. They're, they're all about it. Um, now, being that is, uh, well, it's obvious, but how do they do that, right? How do we get there? What's the point of them... Uh, well, instead of going that direction, feel that that's, uh, that's answered a lot more. People can get behind that enough as is. I'm going to stop that point here. Uh, but what we're going to look at is that if they're soldiers and they're in this big-time Gehenna War, uh, which is uh, definitely a war against the Antediluvians before they rise fully, and uh, we should tackle that just a tad because um, we're going to get more into it in the next time we have this part two of this. But the point is is that uh, the Canaanites make the mistake of ascribing themselves as... Uh, clan right that they're clan together that they're uh, you know we're bruja this or we're adventure that and that's well and good but if you've never wondered why the sabbat start calling themselves venture into tribute bruja into tribute or what have you then anti-tribute makes them a part of the sabbat more than it does that clan that's the point anti-tribute literally anti-tribe means they're anti-clan right so if i'm bruja anti-tribute i'm against being lumped in as just bruja 
right? I'm not, I'm not that. I'm Sabbat. And that's a distinction that is made. The two claims that were in the Sabbat were the Lasambra and the Zemis that didn't say that they were anti-tribune. Because of that, you now see that they're not in the Sabbat, at least not as strongly. It's not to say that there is no Lasambra here or there, Zemis here or there. But the point is their mainstay focus is a bit different. The Zemis always say their issues internal and otherwise, and of course they've been all over the board with that. But the Lasambra officially left and kind of hammered that point home. They also were the two clans who had something in common. They had both allegedly killed their antediluvian. And that's there, and that's that's for another talk. But as the Gehenna War sees it, they don't have time or it's useless, a luxury to sit around and start saying that we're all part of a special boys club. That doesn't make any sense. Whether you're an Asferatu or a Torador, you're Sabbat, you're Sabbat. That's it. No distinction needed. But I think it's funny you should mention that because while there is no distinction needed in game, there has to be a distinction out of game, right? So once again, we have to reference what's been given to us before and why this distinction now is much more important. Before, obviously, there was a section of like Bruhan to Tribute, Malkavian, et cetera, et cetera, as you go through clans. And it gives you a nice little blurb in the guide of Sabata as to like how they would react. Here, what they're trying to tell you as well is as they're creating soldiers for the war, these jarheads of sorts, right? They're breaking everyone down to nothing because the less individualism you have, the more everyone is uniform, everyone's going to get on board. This is like a fight club scene where everyone in death is going to be Robert Paulson one way or another, right? No one is a special snowflake. Everyone is what they are. They're carrying themselves in. And because of that, it makes the clear dis- it's almost like they were foretelling you, as Bob was mentioning. The Lasambra and the Zemis captured and kept their name but everyone else was just part of the muck. So is it any surprising that those two clans who at least had an identity were up and out, whereas everyone else who was just kind of left behind to say, if we're the soldiers, where our bosses go, what are we left to do? It's because we're all just one thing. We're all just anti-tribute. And it get and there's a much more emphasis on not having a clan distinction around this time around, because to have a clan is just to be a puppet of the people, of the antediluvians that spawned you. But you're all part of this spawning pool of, of war, right? You're this faceless soldier going into battle. Well, I mean, as you said, out of game, the uh, the distinction of yeah, if not disrupting whatever that's that's great. Um, but the purpose and role play of it is is to not have a focus on it on purpose, right? right. That's that's the intent. That's why I want that's to what I meant to say. Because I don't want to, you know. There's in other words, you're <laughs> they use a phrase in your comically about it, edge lording, right? I'm a I'm still an Asferatu anti-tribute. My intention, I'm hideous and terrible. Nobody cares, Jack. You're a vampire. You're an apex predator just like the rest <laughs> of us. Act like it. Oh, you're, you're a problem on your face? I don't see a problem with how you are. We're Sabat, right? Yeah, let's get it done. You hungry? Well, yes, but my, my humpback, whatever. Just rip open the top of the car and make it comfortable. Let's go. Right? That's what they're saying. There's, there's a freedom of belonging suddenly for, for everyone. Who chooses to be a part of the sect? You need yeah. that in a cult, right? You need it. They're a they're an army. They're they're a cult army. It's that simple. And you can't have that without that fanaticism, which is the sole reason why you probably don't want to put it in player hands. Can we admit that? The very reason why you said well out of game you could have it is because you're not comfortable making the statement that no no we're just sabat put it on your sheet, right? You could add that right to me. I to me the nuance is incredible. Because it's very much true, but it hammers home why they said keep them antagonists. Because what you encounter isn't going to be based on clan. You will know behind the scenes that their blood develops a certain way and certain flaws and whatnot and all that and hoot nanny and everything else. 
Uh, but ultimately, you're not going to see that. You're going to see the sect as they as they operate, as they comport themselves, as they were made to be. And when you see that and understand that, the shock value should be Camarilla people, like a coterie of deputies or whatever, or a friend of the sheriff who has to go investigate a site that happened, and you're there to fulfill that boon, and you witness through the window the Sabbat do a sermon at Cain before they diabolize that very sheriff. Right? You're unseen to see it. And you should be shocked to see that there are so many clans of varying varieties that you don't know who's what and how. And you witness it. But what you can get down is that what they're doing and how they're acting is uniform. That's the terrifying fact that they bring up about the Sabbat. They're not all wearing the same colored clothes and all that jazz. But in terms of what they're doing, they're united in focus. They're not playing around. They're not sitting around going, hey, man, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What are we going to What do we think? Should we go harass the sheriff and we know where he is? Yeah, maybe we kill him. Maybe we just finished that game of poker we started three weeks ago, you know? What? No, nah, that's an anarchy game. Go over there. Right? Do that. They, these guys wake up knowing what they got to do. They're in the middle of a war. They're either marching to what they call the hot aspect of the war, or they're fulfilling the cold aspect of the war. And to hammer it home, I'm going to take on the hot war, as you guys uh, have heard about and has been made sensational, is the, the Gehenna War itself. The Gehenna War is not just happening over in the Middle East and over there, the beckoning and all that jazz, sure, but it's also happening all over the world. I mean, the Sabbat, I've highlighted the fact that, uh, let's face it, the Antediluvians got around, right? They weren't all just loving the Fertile Crescent, sort of, so to speak. Um, they got all over the place, and that's their that's their point, is that they're, they're everywhere. The Camarilla is worldwide, and that is the enemy serving the Antediluvians above anything else, really. And so there's all sorts of places they're fighting that hot war. And where that war is engaged, they are doing it openly. They're not hiding. This is, a, this is essentially, I like to think of that club blade, right? You can imagine, like, you know, the, the camera had to be super secret about the, you know, the, the second inquisition. So they got their special club, underground, saucy place. Everyone knows the password. The ghouls are guarding the door. And, you know, the pulse is pounding. Everybody's out there. A bunch of vampires are going to feed together because some group thought it was a cool idea to do something like this. But there's no freaking blade. And the Second Inquisition is completely blind to it. Fantastic. Nobody considered the Sabbat infiltration that over half those ghouls were serving the pocket of some power and inner voice Sabbat back. And that the time to strike was nigh. And that in that club, in those confines, the Sabbat said... Our Path of Cain adherence pack with the Power and Inner Voice pack that's here, we're going to prove we're stronger than everyone there, and we're going to kill everyone we get our hands on the inside tonight. That's what's happening in that club. And that's an example of their hot war. It's this open stratagem that they're able to do where they would throw, like, shock troops first, and it would be converted ghouls or people promised whatever they got to have or police paid off or whatever it is that they got to do or coerced. To, to make it happen where their shock troops hit first. And once that happens, the chaos, they're marching through being sort of the, uh, not the tip of the spear, but we'll say whatever you want to say. They're, they're the horde stomping in, killing whoever they can uh, to add to the strength of what they can do because their game has always been numbers. It's numbers over necessarily quality, although certainly they have those veterans who've lived long enough to be of quality. And in that regard... That's a terrifying aspect of the hot war of the Sabbat, that they don't care. If the cops come kill them too. Um, people have cameras. Make sure they don't forget about Twitter. Got to tweet it. Do a TikTok of your last moments before I saw your face off, 
right, or whatever dramatic thing they're going to do, because these cats are trying to break the massacre. They want mortals to know. Flat out, know that. The Sabbat want them to know. End of discussion. Now, it's where they reveal that massacre. It's the point, because there was always this argument, why is the Sabbat the only one being hit by the Inquisition? Well, now you know. They're being hit, but to the Sabbat dogma, bring it. Because anybody that dies to your food wasn't worthy of the blood. Right? They openly fight these guys. Which means, if you're running a chronicle where Judge dreads the Second Inquisition, and they're coming in with cyberware, and they're smoking vampires left and right, ah, bless your heart, but I think you're missing the point. Right? That should be a terrifying battle for those hunters. In addition, a sad day for those Sabbat too young to know what they could fully do. Because that's the only way the Second Inquisition wins, is that they're killing swaths of young vampires. However, when you get to the older ones, that game's over. And rinse repeat, and to the Sabbat, you pick a new crop of mortals. There's always more. And that's how they see it. Rinse, repeat. But they don't stop their agenda. Now, what does this do to the Camarilla? Why do that? If the masquerade's broken open, and in a specific area, right? So, like, let's take Chicago. If that masquerade is broken wide... This now makes it to where those primogen who were never a lot to get along uh, as a unit before, they either have to figure out a way to unite against this fo- this force, or most likely what they would do is break apart individually and go into hiding to try to weather what happens. The same thing they did when the werewolves in the Sabbat assaulted a long time ago. Sometimes you take to the streets, but mostly it was to defend themselves. Well, what do you do when it happens this time? Well, now they're coming through and taking away your binky. Because the Second Inquisition exists. So when the masquerade's broken now, they're going to come through that domain and target certain people who left the trail. And the person that really screws over are the vampires still there. Which is going to be those who went into hiding the Sabbat didn't get. Meanwhile, the war machine rolls through. Their objective done. They've smashed on the door. They've drawn the attention. In that vacuum, here comes whoever's going to pick the carcasses of the dead. And I mean that literally. And who's going to finish the job. And you may... Have a Sabbat pack or two that sit back and participate in a Cold War at that point, DJ. Uh, but what is the Cold War aspect that the Sabbat are fighting as well? So the Cold War aspect of it is they're not just all doom and gloom. It's not just the shock troops that are coming out. In fact, if anything at all, you should be thankful that you see those enemies coming out because that's the misdirection. To see the enemy in front of them and the Camarilla and the Second Inquisition are like, all right, that's where they are. You're not paying attention to the fact that on the Cold aspect of it, there are packs that are infiltrating Anarchs. Who are starting to sow distress and or recruit. They're the ones doing logistics saying we need to make sure that all of our shovel heads at least have machetes and or AK-47s. Could they shoot a gun? No. Could they pull a trigger? Good. I'll get those guns for them. Don't worry. How many white vans do we need? And packs are assembling in the background. What makes it scary is that where you see the hot war and you go like that's a hot spot. I'm never going to Tijuana or that's Madrid over there. The Cold War is the aspect that the Sabbat could literally be anywhere. Yes, we know that they're going to be around where the cameras are, but you really don't know where they're going to spring up. So it's kind of like playing Gears of War, where you see like those drones just come out of the ground. That's exactly what they're waiting for. They're everywhere, and they're just waiting for the right time. And the cold aspect of it is the more insidious part, because it proves that the beast is not just overt, but cunning. And it also proves that the Sabbat aren't just mindless creatures. It's literally a cult that's preparing to move. Once again, much like our current lifetime, you know... It's, we, they, those enemies didn't get money, you know, those, the Taliban didn't get uh, weapons from no one. They got those weapons from someone, right, before they started doing it. And they're cunning in that way. Uh, and that's what makes the Cold War devastating. Another thing that's also worth noting is what about the Second Inquisition? What happens to them? 
if you think the Second Inquisition is a bump in the road to them, it isn't. There's a lot of conspiracy theories inside of them letting you know that the Second Inquisition means that the Sabbat is right. What do you mean by that? Obviously, if the Second Inquisition is there, it's because the masquerade's about to be broken, which means the Antediluvians are trying to hide their tracks. We're almost there, boys. We just got to get rid of the... We got to go full tilt now. So that's another way of looking at it, and that's what makes this that much more exciting for you know, uh, for a Sabbat member, and that should be a lot much more concerning for a Camarilla member who's in the know. To know that Psycho Inquisition's there, Sabbat might not be too far behind. Hey folks, it's Brennan here. I'm just interrupting to let you guys know this will be a two-part episode, and we are going to cut right here. The second part of our three-part review of V5 Sabbat, the Black Hand book, will release next Friday. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.